morning for the final time in September. It's Spooktember, a daily Halloween prep podcast brought to you by somebody who didn't get to enjoy Halloween this year. So this time, I've spent every darned day of September doing something to get in the Halloween spirit. And I'm glad you've come along in this journey with me. Welcome to the podcast. If this is your first episode, well, it's a really special one because it's super long. And I want to make this explicitly clear. This episode is marked explicit there is swearing we're talking about an r-rated movie and there are frank discussions of sexual topics and sexuality if any of that is something that you're not super into or can't legally listen to now is the time to back out almost every other episode of spooktember is not marked explicit and if you haven't listened to any of those feel free to go check those out but for a finale bang we're talking about the Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's my first viewing. So, and there's a lot going on in Rocky Horror that lends well to two queer people sitting down and talking about uh, the complexities of the film and just the oddities of sexuality. So uh, this is this is going to be an adventure we're going on. Uh, before we get started, I just want to remind everyone real quick, this is not the end of Spooktember today. If you're listening to this the day it goes up, there will be a finale party on Discord that you can join us by clicking the invite link in the show notes of this episode or by going to the show's Twitter and clicking the invite link there. I have a Discord server set up for all my different media, like properties and whatnot and we're just gonna hang out in a voice chat we're gonna have some party games going on we're gonna watch halloween is grinch night might do some live readings or something for funsies who knows just tune in at 6 p.m central standard time or uh, 7 p.m eastern standard time to catch us hanging out and it'll it'll just be some good old fun internet party times Speaking of fun, let's uh, let's do the time warp again. <laughs> Back to a couple of days ago when I recorded this with Victoria. It's it's hard to end this intro because this is the last one for September. Uh, yeah, there are plans for this podcast in October and beyond, but I'll get to those in the live stream party and maybe in a update later. Uh, wow, this intro is running long. Okay. Uh, love you. Thank you for sticking around. I have more words in the outro if you stick around for it. But, uh, yeah. Have a good one. Bye. Hi, Victoria. Oh, you caught me in a yawn. Hi. <laughs> Hi. So, last night, uh, we independently of each other watched Rocky Horror Picture Show. We sure did. I had never seen it before. I've uh, seen it, like, eight, nine, ten times. I've seen it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, um... It was a really good viewing experience because it's it is a DVD from 2002, so it like not only was I getting to experience Rocky Horror, I got that old fashioned Fox logo and like uh, all of these things are available on Fox DVD trailers for movies that I've forgotten for years. So you but really you saw, got like, to do the time warp. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And there's the one. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. It's hard to, it's difficult. I I do. I think what we're going to, I think one thing we should try is just for at least for a portion of this, not do like spoilery last half of the movie stuff in case Mm. there are like five people out there who like me had not seen Rocky horror before. But um, (laughs) so Victoria, what's your elevator pitch for Rocky horror picture show? One of the hardest questions I've asked someone on this, on this podcast. Okay, I'll give you um, a one-liner, and then I'll go into detail. 
Good. Um, cool. An assumably heterosexual cisgender white couple gets their lives absolutely ruined when they're introduced to unconventional sex. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Uh, okay. You just stripped everything off of it. You just took this movie down to the frame. I love but it. But it's true, isn't it? Like, well, yeah. I've like, seen it a couple times. <laughs> this, yeah. That's the th- wow. I love that because every time I hear Rocky Horse sold, it's like, it's the 50s past. It's like, then I, like, we're going, we're recording this out of order. So later in the podcast, we're going to say it's the night, it's 1975 by way of the 50s. But it's, yeah, everyone sells it on. It's got all these tropes. It's all this, you know, time warp and yada, mm-hmm. yada, yada. But mm-hmm. that is the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because everything else is just window dressing. It's like, oh, there's the 50s because, you know, I guess like people in their like 30s and 40s around that time would have been teenagers in the 50s or so. So like, it's like, oh, yes, I remember being a horny kid and wanting to fuck, you know, but like that's it's not this that has nothing to do with, you know. Anyways, so a bit more elaborate. Um Brad and Janet are a young engaged couple and they are the this caricature of traditional heterosexuality to the nth degree and they end up with a flat tire on a rainy night and end up in a castle where this mysterious individual named Frankenfurter is having a party to celebrate the fact that he has created the perfect man which is this <laughs> Blonde, absolutely jacked, brainless, well, half-brained, I guess, uh, like, bodybuilder guy. And he's, like, a sex thing. Which, honestly, big mood, Frankenfurter, for trying to, like, scientifically create the perfect fuck thing. Like, my... (laughs) Mine would look a little different. He'd be really tall and thin and fucking wear glasses <laughs> and play baseball. So Brad Majors. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, Brad, if, if Brad were in a baseball uniform, I would nut. Um, <laughs> everything goes horribly wrong. Because um, there's a lot of questions of like, well, maybe I don't want to fuck you, even though you created me just for fucking. And yeah. Janet gets seduced and Brad gets seduced and Frankenfurter either has before the movie starts or by the movie's end will have fucked pretty much everybody. Creepy mad science, there's murder, there's cannibalism. Uh, Meatloaf's there for some reason. Meatloaf is there. (laughs) And has one of the best songs in the movie for some reason. It's so good. It's so good. And I, like, that's another thing that had to grow on me because, like, at first I was like, this is fucking stupid. And then I got, like, really into, like, 1950s music and I was like, this song fucking slaps. Because they're like... That's the thing. Of the, the the music is good. It's not just a parody. It's good. <laughs> yeah, it's genuinely good music. What else? Uh, so basically, Frankenfurter has built up this like kind of house of cards by being very, very, very selfish, and the end of the movie is that collapsing around him. Um, Perfect. I think that that's a, a pretty good little. That's a really summary. good spoiler-free thing. I I definitely. Even before I'd seen it, I wanted to dedicate the last episode of Spook Timber to this because it's like, I mean, this is pseudo a religion for a lot of people. It's, you know, it, it probably is one of the things that people think of when you say cult classic film. 
yeah, like the, the the word cult means nothing anymore because it's basically anything that sells well after it's out of theaters. But Rocky Horror is just this next level thing. People, I mean, the people dress up and do stupid crap for the room in theaters, but they only do that because we have this pre-established culture of Rocky right. Horror. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It it set the precedent. Yeah. And it's you're right that it's there is something pseudo religious about it because like there's an initiation when you go to the live the screenings. Yeah, there's like there's like call and response. There's like ritualistic things that you do that you learn only through going and doing it enough times, you know, so I think, though, like the movie, like even if you're not going to see it, uh with other people, which I do recommend. It was, I, I lead a very boring life, but it was one of the <laughs> most fun nights of my life going and doing a Rocky Horror with a Shadow cast. But the film itself is really awesome. Um, it's a, it's an experience just watching it. I will say, and I wanted to preface, you know, before we get super into things, like yeah, it we is, need to talk about. <laughs> it is from the seventies, and. I have a lot of high praise for the movie, but you have to, like, make concessions for the fact that it is a product of its time. And Many grains of salt. Yes, it didn't age perfectly. I think it's a prime example of, like, nothing ages perfectly. Um, it is very important to a lot of queer people, and it can be very polarizing because you might have one person who's in the queer community that's like this movie shaped me like figuring out my identity and then you might have one who's like this is terrible and it makes me feel bad and both are totally valid 100 percent. my advice like the biggest thing i would say watch out for if you haven't seen it before is if you are like a trans feminine person or a trans woman like the handling of one of the major characters might be uncomfortable or worse to to view. So, like, keep that in mind if you haven't seen the movie and you're in that sort of realm. And again, remembering that queer language is a very modern luxury, like having ways to dissect our identities and talk about ourselves openly and freely and concisely is a relatively modern invention. So I think that is part of what leads to a lot of the now- clumsiness that the film kind of has in that arena so that's my little soapbox <laughs> you know I, what's weird is i'm sitting here because i'm thinking about a lot of things to do with this like rocky horror it should be it should be said like as someone who's only been like out as a pansexual for like a couple months if that i watch this and think about the fact that i i watched it probably when i was like 13 or something and it didn't click in like not it didn't really i didn't get it i wonder if i'd seen this when i was like 16 how things might have turned out differently because it's not like rocky horror a lot of things just kind of happen and who gives a crap Mm. right i mean there's there's tons of i mean you got fishnets on every single character and Really horny, just a really, really horny movie. That's why it's definitely in my top five. (laughs) (laughs) And like that horniness is not portrayed as like a character deficit, right? Which is something that is always in movies. Well, and he's and he's a sort of attraction. Yes and no. I think that it plays with that. That 
it's aware that, to, especially back then, but even still to this day, we're kind of having a renaissance of sexual repression, I would argue. Oh, yeah. So, like, it it is aware. I would say it's more that it lampshades the idea that people in the real world see embracing sexuality and enjoying sex and liking sex um, as a character fault. Yeah. It's not so much that it's like, hey, you can do this without issue, because, like... The argument could be made that a lot of bad shit does happen when people start having a good time <laughs> that, fucking. Yeah. yeah. But also, it does it in a way that makes that makes it, it's kind of like you're role-playing being naughty and you're not actually being naughty, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, because like, the fact that it's all wrapped in this pastiche of 1950s B sci-fi and horror, it, it like, it's, I don't want to say it's the joke, but it's almost like the wink of the movie is we can throw all this sex stuff at this traditionally chased genre and it's going to work. And I, I don't want to sit here and see like, I probably would have been out a lot earlier if I had watched Rocky horror at the right age. But as a 28 year old person watching Rocky horror, I'm just watching this going like, Holy shit. This movie's been here this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, I think that's part of it for me. I was in a very interesting situation because I had inklings of being, you know, gender fluid and queer from a young age and also, it's I guess I'm kind of a weird little case study because like I grew up in a household with a lesbian mom, but mm. the relationship to my parent was like I did not express myself freely in a lot of ways and you know, sex and gender were one of them. So when I watched Rocky Horror, it was less necessarily about me as it was feeling like family. Like, my mom had obviously other queer friends when I was growing up that I had seen. Like, you know, she had a, a, a gay male friend who would do drag and stuff. And, you know, there's all these little things that, like, a lot of queer people, like, in my age range and younger maybe don't necessarily have that sort of intergenerational connection to, like, queer culture. And I think that that's why I sit in the place that I do with it, because, like... When it comes to, like, elder, queer, and trans people, like, things, mm -hmm. we take for granted how different things were when they were our age. So, yeah. I think having a little bit of that, like, window into, like, what things were like, even when, you know, in the 90s when I was a kid, um, they were very different. And so, I think that that's why I'm able to, like, view the movie a little bit differently. I think... Um, Watching it as I got a little bit older, too, it it rang true for me in different ways. Like, Janet's relationship to, like, her own sexual agency. Um, and also, like, when I first watched it... when I, Honestly, when I first sat down and watched it, I did not really understand, like, nostalgia as a artistic choice. Yeah. Per se. Yeah. So like the whole 70s does 50s thing. Like I didn't understand enough of the 50s to really appreciate what it was doing. So I'm like, I don't get the saxophone stuff. I don't get the fishnets. I don't get the garters. I don't get the stockings. <laughs> like 
I mean, I, I got that it was a thing, but it felt so hokey. It was like somebody making a joke yeah. about a joke. Yeah, because this is like the source, right? Yes. When you realize that the source is actually like really erotic and sexy, then you're like, okay, this is a lot more fun. And, you know, my, my first reaction, I think, when I watched it as a kid was like, what the fuck <laughs> did I just watch? What <laughs> I, just yeah. happened? Actually, I think that nails it because like, and I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm complaining or anything, but like as a, as a kid, I was, we lived out in the middle of nowhere. So even in my teens, I, my like connection to the outside world was, was the internet. And even then it was a very small, limited scope of it. Uh, but my parents were like, totally just watch whatever the fuck you want, read whatever you want, like go for it. So when I got Rocky Horror, it was me like being like, I've heard about this thing a lot. And they're just like, yeah, it's it, 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 like, they didn't care, but uh like that's a, they didn't have like a recommendation or a warning about it it was just like yeah that's a thing a lot of people watch <laughs> so i watched i watched like half of it i think i got to uh what ironically is now one of my one of my least and most favorite scenes in modern times i think i got to frankenfurter going to both of their beds and i was just like what is this like it's r rated <laughs> but there's no nudity and i'm I'm this strange, like I'm 15 and what is no- this? <laughs> I'm 15 and what is this? And I don't really have a frame of reference for dealing with not made for straight people content. Mm. So whenever any, it, it, isn't, it, it just, it felt like I was watching something that was meant for something, someone else. And I therefore somehow uh. felt guilty. Like I was uh. like, somehow I was dr- making it. So a person who would like Rocky horror could not watch Rocky horror at that moment, which makes mm. zero sense saying it out loud. But as a kid, I was just like, I don't, I could just go watch Star Wars again. (laughs) (laughs) And what a difference Star Wars is. Yeah, what a difference. But yeah, that the 70s doing 50s thing really is interesting because like, from a perspective of someone who grew up, specifically, I, I, I read a lot of filmmaking stuff. I was really into behind the scenes of movie making. So when I was reading about evil dead and how they made that all no money in the filming in a cabin with and they were like eating the same pot of soup and star wars and all that and then you watch something like rocky horror where it didn't necessarily have a shoestring budget but it was a very small movie made in 1975 that looks like it could have been shot in like 92 but with old cameras you know Mm-hmm. Like it looks so good, it's hard to process. This movie is forty four years old. It's, it's certainly. I think maybe part of that is from a visual standpoint. I should yeah, say. I, I, I would argue that maybe part of that is like our fetish as a culture for like film that looks. Yes. Again, nostalgia as a narrative device. Like, not to get too tangential, but the other night I watched a movie called The Love Witch, which was mm-hmm. created in, in 2016, but it, it looks like it's, you know, 1960s Technicolor. Um, there's oh, wow. something about that that, like, I think resonates with a lot of us. And oh, I don't really have gorgeous. a. a yeah. It's It's beautiful, and it's a. I think the movie maybe tries to do a lot of things <laughs> that. <laughs> 
it's at the very least it's nice to look at i can tell you that and it's i'm not trying to shit on it but there it, it I, feels I'm seeing weird a lot of the uh the old technicolor thing of making the actor be in shadow but shining a horizontal light bar at them so it lights just their eyes yes and also like the the vaseline up like yep, yep. slightly blurry lens close-up of the beautiful female protagonist you know and the star filter, you know, all that fun stuff. Yeah, um, but I, I got you. I think, so, I'm surprised I've made it this far without saying it. Okay, first of all, I want to fuck Brad Majors. <laughs> <laughs> like, really bad. And I totally, totally I, I get it. did not feel that way when I was like, mm, I think I was 17 or so when I first watched the movie. I borrowed it from a friend who, um, the term that I'm thinking of is very in, like not kosher to use anymore and I'm trying to think of a way to put it uh, the feminine friend of many gay males so yeah. I the, that was the person who had adopted one of my friends that was my age so the, the older you know adoptive mother um, who was very adjacent to the queer community um, so Rocky Horror, of course, was a DVD that they just fucking had around, and I was like, I want to, I want to watch this. I've heard about it, and uh, when I first watched it, I had not been awakened to like what makes a character like Brad sexy. But now I watch this movie, and I'm like <laughs> clawing at my clothing, like going feral, like oh my god, this is exactly like the type of guy that I want to go for. Well, because it's like it's it's a perfect blend of nerd and freaking Barry Bostwick in 1975, right? Like this dude's six six five or whatever. He's like oh, this huge dude. <laughs> and I don't know if Susan Sarandon is tiny or not, but like them paired together is like tall and small, like perfect yeah. height difference. The thing is, is that he is a... Brad is a caricature of like traditional masculinity. Yeah. Um, but He's got what's the compelling? Deep, confident fifties voice every yes. single moment of the movie. Yes, and like his slacks are always like perfectly pressed. He's disturbed by the Transylvanians when they're doing the time warp, but not enough to like run screaming. He's just like, ah, oh, yes, they're they're doing folk dancing and you know, like that kind of shit. But the thing is, is like <laughs> perhaps they'll do another folk dance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's, like, obviously more to him because he's got, like... Here's where it gets kind of tricky because Frankenfurter as a character is yeah. referred to as he, him, um, and exists in this weird liminal space between masculinity and femininity, which arguably is an identity that you can still populate in this day and age. You could totally dress in quote-unquote women's clothing, go with, you know, he, him pronouns, be chaotically bisexual, pansexual as fuck. Like, mm -hmm. those things don't necessarily have to be mutually exclusive. Um, but when you start talking about, like, what it means for... I, I guess, you know, this is maybe kind of spoilers. It's still, like, second... First half of the movie. What it means for brad to have sex with a character like frank because obviously if frank were a trans woman then it would just be heterosexual mm -hmm. because frank exists in this weird space we have to look at brad as you know having some sort 
and flavor of queerness going on. Yeah, it changes things. Yes. And I, I think that it probably has to do with the fact that for a long time, like, the separation between gender identity and sexuality were not as clear cut as they are now. It, yeah, yeah. And so, like, for many people, like, I don't know, like, transness was socially considered that, you know, you're still just a gay man in drag. I hate to say mm-hmm. that. But so anyways, the framing in the movie, therefore, though, it's significant in that Brad is not like Brad is very visibly horny for Frankenfurter, like as soon as they meet him. Immediately. Like immediately. Is- He's like, oh, shit. I want to. F- <laughs> I didn't catch it last night. But this, yeah, like I watched the uh, like the first quarter of the movie right before we started this, and I did not clock immediately first time he sees him. There's like this look. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, he is like like unable to hide the fact that he wants to go to Pound Town with Frankenfurter. Like it is, and and again, you know, campy. So like it's exaggerated for effect, but like it's they telegraphed that for sure. Um, and Janet, too, is, like, weirdly aroused. And, like, that's the whole point, I guess. Because, like, I guess Frankenfurter represents in some way, like, quote-unquote deviousness sexually, right? Like, yeah, anything other than missionary, white, heterosexual, cishet, <laughs> like, marital sex. And enjoying sex, too. Like, you know, so... It's uh, significant then for Janet to be seduced too. It's just it's it's just so like the bedroom scenes. I, I think this is the last like the last vestiges of us being spoiler free. So brace yourselves, people listening who haven't seen Rocky Horror. But so the the when they are given bedrooms and then you get the Janet scene with Frankenfurter wearing the Brad wig, which was like. This is the scene that Austin Powers is making fun of, right? With the the shadow gag, uh, it works so well visually. I was, I it took me a second to clock what was happening when the wig came off. <laughs> <laughs> well, also because they dubbed um, Brad's voiceover, yeah. And, and then, in the mirror scene with Janet, they dubbed Janet's voiceover. But then you get uh I mean, the, the, what have you done with Brad? Nothing. You think I should have played? You think I should? <laughs> like, and then the callback to that in the Brad scene with the, the, the Frankenfurter, like uh, the the wig, the wig. Uh. The, I mean, the whole scene has an ick factor, but just the fact that there was a wig, it's got this. <laughs> you you can tell it's meant to be. It, it, I, it's, it's got a it's Bugs like, Bunny e thing going on. <laughs> It's like the only thing it took for Frankenfurter to perfectly imitate, like, be a vision of Brad and or Janet is, like, to put on a fucking wig. <laughs> wig, yeah. <laughs> but, okay, since spoilers are kind of out the gate now, um, yeah, Frankenfurter and it. his cronies are fucking aliens, so I guess you could maybe argue that he was using, like, alien trickery to <laughs> fucking... But then why would he need... I don't know why he'd need a wig. Anyways. I think, I, think that, I think that's where you reach the point of putting too much thought into Rocky you just, Horror. Yeah, you have to not... You have to lie back and not think about it. Um, so... 
I it's interesting because the the scenes where Frankenfurter seduces um Janet and Ro- or not Rocky. Janet and Brad um successively um they mirror each other almost perfectly. Yeah. Like all of all of Frankenfurter's lines are pretty much the exact same thing. Um and Brad and Janet have slightly different, you know, like playful you objections like oh no anyone. i shouldn't yeah I, I i shouldn't be doing this i would never you know janet's being like i was saving myself and 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 brad's being like oh i would never you know have sex with <laughs> someone who makes me feel questionable about my sexual orientation the writing of this movie victoria fucking i'm saving myself i think you won't be entirely spent like what the fuck that's such a good line the thing is is like you know, it's funny because like most of <laughs> most of the people who are attracted to men uh, that I know and they watch this movie like find uh, the scene with uh, Brad and Frank to be really hot. But like also like for me, and I mentioned this, you know, one on one, I also have a hard time like feeling the same way with Janet because um, predatory, like, right? I understand deeply, like, the relationship to, like, feminine sexuality and, like, excuse me, the, like, value placed on maintaining Mm -hmm. that. And it's interesting because, like, Janet has this, like, little breakdown afterwards where she, like, goes through this little monologue of, like, Oh no, I had sex and everything is wrong. Like she's like crying and she's in her like torn up slip and she's like um she's like, "Oh Brad, how could I do this to you?" That's like the first thing she says and it's like, yeah. "Honey, Brad doesn't own your vagina. <laughs> like you aren't married yet." <laughs> she's also like she's shown to like not be like she she puts up with Brad on a few, not to legitimize any of this, but like the movie does show they're not the perfect couple. Like they, they're, they have layers, but yeah, like there's, when you play with these preexisting tropes and these preexisting, uh, I, the, the movie, the, the, the social contract about sexuality in movies, even if Rocky horse is throwing those out the window and trying to be weird and wacky with them. You have this scene where, I'm saving myself. And then you cut to Brad and Who's Brad like, puts Okay, it, don't just don't tell anybody. Brad takes thirty percent of the convincing that Janet does. I think that that is intentional. I think that it's shown to like highlight, I guess, the double standard of yeah. like women are expected to be like pure and, you know, virgins, whatever that means. But like men there's but this she does acceptability get the way better of, song out of it yeah uh brad doesn't get a number about how he likes to fuck yeah <laughs> <laughs> i wish he did um uh but i i think it was intentional that like you know it's accepted that you know men would fuck around before marriage but that that women are supposed to never have sex and you know brad gets pissed off at janet later in the whole like brad janet rocky dr scott scene like Mm -hmm. he gets like pissed off at her because she fucked someone else but like he literally still has frankenfurter slobber on his cock like (laughs) (laughs) so 
touch a touch a touch me yes is i was watching this with jordan my fiance in a in our apartment and even then i was still like is this allowed like (laughs) (laughs) is this okay this scene is so like I, i was i was messaging you common sense media uh, the rating for this movie that they've given it, parents say 12, 12 and up or something like that. And the, That's the very aggr- generous. Yeah, it's very generous. And the aggregate overall is like 15 and up, which I, and I, I it's really hard to set a rating. Oh, I mean, it's MPAA said this is R rated. There's one fuck in it. And I, I guarantee you they gave it an R rating just because not straight, but. Right. I think the queerness <clears throat> is definitely. That, that's the thing is it's hard to it's hard to assign ratings or recommendations to a movie like this because you have that that camp that wants to give anything with any queerness a higher age bracket so that it doesn't get the kids but also like holy shit there's so much sex in this movie and it seems like all these ratings websites just don't get it you know what I mean like yeah. for the fact it's... The, the fact that they are clothed at all in touch a touch a touch me is secondary to the point like it is they might as well be news <laughs> yeah. for the amount of just fuck energy on the screen yeah i think though like for me like there's a very like like the only time i genu okay maybe i'm like an exception because like i'm coming to terms recently with the fact that like my sexuality is maybe a little atypical. And so, mm-hmm. like, I think, like, I'm fitting very comfortably into the idea of pansexuality. And it, 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 not everybody categorizes it this way, but it's more about, like, context and, like, yeah. the overall, like, personality of someone and, you know, like, their behavior is a big one. Um, less so than just, like, oh, I see this person and, you know, I want to fuck them. There's There's eroticism in, like, these characters are hot, but then there's also, like, the only time that's, like, genuine, like, tingly feeling, I again, is, like, when Brad and Frankenfurt are about to fuck. Yeah. Um, and Frankenfurt so, is, like, simulating oral sex in the in the shadows and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, in my case, I feel like um, the touch of touch me is important because I have been that person, but it's not necessarily, like, arousing it almost feels yeah. kind of austin powersy for me like it's just so intense and so much intense. at once yeah i mean it's it's very like like janet has these visions of like uh like different people like judging her basically for like enjoying fucking <laughs> like like of brad and i think even like riffraff like shows up in her like oh, hang on i can her, her little, through this hallucinations it's, it's brad frankenfurter uh not columbia the other one um magenta magenta and then riffraff and then columbia and then she pulled she like has the the, the simulated orgasm and wiped the end of the scene but it, i i don't want to be that nerd who talks about the cinematography of rocky horror picture show but the cinematography of rocky horror picture show is gorgeous like you can watch some scenes in this movie with the sound off and it's just like 
this this one we're talking about, you have all these shots where they frame it so those statues of David are always in the background when she's singing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, even the beginning of the movie, when Time Warp ends and Brad and Janet are walking backwards towards the elevator, that is one really smooth shot. And that is done without a steady cam. Like that is a that is a dolly, like old school. They are the the actors are trying not to trip on a dolly track while they move towards that elevator. And the elevator is perfectly timed. Like there's so many shots of this movie. Like um when Frankenfurter puts his hand up to uh the first time he talks to them while not singing, and it does like that 3D thing where his hand intentionally comes close to the lens. That's just a little like 1950s 3D joke and it's not no one talks about it like it's not a thing in the movie. They just they just do that shit. Right. Uh, yeah, everything's so intentional in this movie and usually when movies have an air of um parody or satire to them they it kind of just like, like fuck it. Yeah, it feels like they dumped a bucket of jokes on the movie, and th- like there's, and if you if you were to brush them away, there's not a movie underneath. Rocky yeah. Horror is a movie that also has these great, funny bits to it. It just completely blew me away that that was the reality of this that I've been not watching for years. <laughs> yeah, um, I have two points I want to make. First of all, yeah. we've got we've got kind of a fork in the road here because I do think that we owe it to Frankenfurter's character to talk about the intense way that Frankenfurter just commands the entire movie whenever he's oh on screen. Oh my god! But like we- second of all, I want to I want to go back to touch a touch me for two seconds yeah. to make a point in that there's I feel like one of my I don't know. I don't like I'm not saying this like I hate this movie or this is bad, but like a critique I have is that like I feel like lesbian eroticism is kind of overlooked. There's a tiny bit in Oh, we're talking uh, about the this the uh Columbia thing. Yes. In in Touch a Touch Me, uh it flashes to Magenta and Columbia watching Janet fuck Rocky over like CRT or uh, closed circuit, whatever the fuck, TV, yeah. like, a, a, you know, security camera. Um, so they're watching that and they're like playfully like, ew, look at me. I'm, <laughs> you know, like, oh, I'm having sex with Rocky. Like they don't say that, but that's what their behavior says. They're right? mocking, yeah. Yes, they're making fun of her. Um, but also they're like playfully like, like I've seen, again, I've seen this movie many times and I just noticed um in that scene, like Magenta opens Columbia's shirt and like grabs her titty, like full on tit grab. Um, and I had never noticed that. I just freeze framed it while you're talking. And yeah, when I watched it last night, I thought it was over the shirt, but she totally just no, goes she totally skin cup. to skin, grabs the boob, and then she and then gets her with the hair dryer. <laughs> Yeah, and also before they start pretending to make out, they're like sitting there, like, um, like fondling each other's legs in the hair dryer, like, like it's like, you know, I guess it's interesting because maybe there's a point to be made about like the way that like some people use humor to engage with sexuality in a way that like what like they're actually turned on, but it's like, oh, yeah. I have to make a joke about this. What is it that 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 old tweet about um something something sexual? Ha ha ha. Unless. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a very, like, unless is kind of like the undercurrent of uh, 
that little scene. But other than that, like, there's no, like, confirmed lesbian experience. And I get, like, I guess you, like, don't have all the time in the world. But I think, you know, if someone were to try and tackle a similar kind of dissection of, like, destroying het people's lives by awakening them to good sex, I think it would be neat to explore, like, woman-on-woman experiences a little bit. I want a 2019 movie with the same energy as Rocky Horror, right? It'd be hard. It'd be so hard. Who do you get? Who do you replace Tim Kerr? I mean, I hear Laverne Cox did a good ver- did a good version of Frank Inverter in the live show, like in 2016. I haven't seen it, but I haven't either. How do you match that? There, I cannot think of an actor living who can match that live action cartoon energy. Like some of it is. Tim Curry's wearing a face full of makeup and it's very it's very easy to see expressions. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's it exaggerates everything about his face that you need to see the the, the eye the, the the eye makeup and everything. So he does look animated throughout this movie. The whole time I'm watching and I'm thinking I want to see I want to see someone take this movie's reference and animate the Frankenfurter scenes and make him just like a little bit lankier and a little bit taller and just have him fucking go cuz he's like Tim Curry is running after Rocky in those platform heels. And I can't tell if it's a character choice or it's because he can't run in heels that he's literally bouncing off the walls whenever he goes downhill because he's about to fall. So he's throwing his weight around. I think, okay. So a little bit of nerd backstory. Rocky horror obviously is a musical and it started as a musical, Frankenfurter was played by Tim Curry, like oh, on for it was on Broadway, but before that, it started in England. Well, that makes um, complete fucking sense. Then, so yeah. th- it explains several things. First of all, I'm going to argue that Tim Curry absolutely could run in heels. Yeah, and yeah, that, knowing that, that yeah, one hundred percent. Him being so absolutely over the top horny that he's literally falling all over himself. He's literally doing the ah, rock laugh the whole time. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> It's like, you know, the way to describe it is like girlish, like just girlish. Like it's, you know, this like extremely like. He was kissing Rocky's shoe. Like, yeah. Um, So. So that's one point. Um, But also, I think also the way in which he acted this character by being hyper animated probably has roots in it originally being on the stage and you so know you have can to see be what you're doing yes yeah. you have to be over theatrical but when you do a close-up you know shot then on this person who's doing this extreme facial acting it becomes so charismatic like just undeniably like you can see why frankenfurter ruined the lives of everybody that he came into contact with. And it's because he was so charismatic, you know, as this, you know, entity, I guess. I guess Um, it's almost, I don't want to, this is going to, this is going to sound like a movie hot take. There is a parallel to Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka in this, in that he's this, terrifying charismatic person who fucks your life it's just in rocky horror it's literal (laughs) i thought you were gonna say fucks and i was gonna be like that is a big hot take that willy wonka in the 1970s charlie and the chocolate factory fucks (laughs) 
<laughs> no, like Gene Wilder has he doesn't have that intensity, but he does well, he doesn't have like the manic intensity, but he has you don't know what the hell Gene Wilder is thinking. 90% of the time he's on screen or you don't know what the character really Wonka is thinking. You just know he's not operating on whatever level they are. He's like 15 steps ahead in the game of chess uh, and everyone yeah. else is just catching up to it. Frankenfurter is just this just mad scientist bouncing off the walls. Bugs Bunny just wah, the whole time until he until the very end where he just dies. <laughs> <laughs> like a wet poodle he he looked like a wet poodle for five minutes and then dies yeah it was like he, he, they, they do the they have the pool <laughs> um simulated <laughs> sex scene like from yeah. a from a filmmaking perspective that's totally a sex scene even if they don't actually have sex and then oh it's a group orgy for sure yeah yeah and then he get he he has that song which i've, I've forgotten the name of but his final song i'm going home I'm going home and his makeup is just fucked and they specifically oh. I mean they specifically apply makeup that I mean he's wet but they apply it to make it look sad and he's right he's delivering it 10,000%. I I know this is just me repeating myself that I really like Tim Curry in this movie but like it's I'm so, so hard I, to encapsulate into words like like how just like earth-shaking his performances like there's no i've never seen i don't know if i've ever seen any other actor deliver quite the way that tim curry does in this movie if if it was not tim curry and it was someone who was not delivering as hard as tim curry is i would have i would have found it very easy to write off rocky horror picture show early on absolutely it would not be the same movie at all at all it's (laughs) You know, talking about uh, the the fucked up makeup and stuff. <laughs> um, I made a tweet with screen caps. Yeah, I was thinking about that tweet the whole time. <laughs> and and I, well, I said how I'm trying to look after getting dicked within an inch of my life. Cause, but but you you're right that talking about like that scene is like simulated sex. I think then in the movie, arguably the next scene. I'm sorry, the, 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 the pool scene is simulated sex. And immediately immediately after it comes uh, Frankenfurter's, like, sentimental, you know, ending number. And uh, I guess arguably it could, it could be metaphorical for, like, you know, the after fuck, like, oh, now I'm going to get existential. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, there's, as a cis dude... I can't sit here and be like, here are the reasons why Rocky Horror works and does not work because of uh, uh, queer politics or because of queer identity. Because, like, I don't I can't I cannot as a I cannot have any sort of authority over this. All I can say is this movie is so fucking wild and I feel like I've missed out in not having watched it until now. It's wild and it's totally fun. Um, And there are some like salient points like regarding gender like and i think every person who is not cis probably gets something a little bit different from a character like frankenfurter yeah um because like for me i relate intensely to like this like performative femininity 
if that makes sense, because like I present super, super feminine, like usually even when I feel more masculine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to see a character that is like referred to as he and is accepted on some level as being, you know, man-like or masculine or whatever, um, but still presenting like hyper-femininely, like I find that like really intriguing. Um, but also... It can be very invalidating to a lot of trans women, and oh, that yeah. is, again, yeah. super, super valid. Um, everybody, you know, but then I also, like, you know, know trans women who literally, like, cry watching Frankenfurter's, like, performance because they see themselves on some level. So it's, like, it's it's definitely, like, a, a ink blot test of queerness, <laughs> this movie right? is. Because, like, it, it, like, my experience watching it last night I was sitting here like, fuck, I wish I was in good enough shape to wear the shit they're wearing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it definitely makes you want to put, break out the stockings. Because like the, the, the one argument Rocky Horror can make, no matter what, is everyone looks good at fucking fishnets. <laughs> yes! Oh my god. Yes. Even, even the doctor in the wheel. I love that it's uh, almost like a disease. Like he pulls that blanket over and there's just the fish Oh, nets. for the thrill. That was, like a, that was like a running joke with me and my high school friends. We would like oh, I love pantomime, it. you know, lifting up our leg and be like, for the thrill. <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, it's, I guess it's it says something about Dr. Scott's an interesting character and right. you know we're 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 kind of getting you know long-winded here but like it, the, even at the very end when spoiler alert Riff Raff fucking kills uh Frankenfurter and Rocky then dies by doing a parody of King Kong climbing up the RKO, RKO broadcast tower stage set prop and then falling into the pool um, Dr. Scott is like, hey, you're one of the good metaphorical queers because you, you killed the, the... Because you have a gun. Debauched, yeah, well, you killed the debauched, uh, horrible queer menace and society thanks you, you know? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's kind of pinching the nose of cisheads that are like oh thank god the the queers are taking over and you stopped them you know it's <laughs> and then the queers leave and everything's fine except now janet has to peg brad because he's very <laughs> into getting his prostate played with <laughs> <sighs> oh okay so one thing I want to touch on. Please don't let on. that be the thing we end on. <laughs> no, it's not going to be the thing we end on. And I think there's a couple. There's probably a couple more points to make. But if anyone has listened this far and is thinking, wow, I'd love to go see Rocky Horror in person with their ca- crowd, this is the year to do it. If you've been thinking about it and you have the means to go, go. Because Disney bought Fox. And what is happening is a lot of smaller theaters are uh are quickly finding that um what what disney has done is they basically ended all of fox's contracts that they have with those theaters and what those contracts did was allowed those theaters to go basically rifle through fox's backlog and fox had a lot of fucking movies in the in the 60s 70s and 80s that are relatively cheap to license and a lot of people love so right if you if you sit down and think about it 
a lot of those like, oh, we're going to go see, you know, Alien or something like that. Those were Fox movies. And there's a reason Disney is tightening the purse strings a bit and is canceling a lot of contracts and renegotiating. So there is a legitimate concern that unless you go to an AMC affiliate or someone signed up with Disney, some big chain, those smaller theaters are not going to be able to do Rocky Horror screenings. And because of that, when you do go to Rocky Horror screening in 2020, it's probably going to be in an AMC and it's probably going to have nowhere near the same energy. There's probably going to be signs up yes. to say no swearing or some shit no like props, that. You know, no props, no dancing. Yeah, yeah no it's costumes. Gonna... So any of the... You know that picture of like the robot hammering down the no fun sign? That's what exactly. it's going to be. Yeah, that's Disney. That Disney is doing that because they want to make more money and fuck small people. And it's going to be $25 a ticket or something. Yeah. At yeah. a chain theater, which is, I mean, if it's something like Rift Tracks Live that's being simulcast, like I get it. Or like the four hour cut, the four cut, the four hour version of Hamlet with Benedict Cumberbatch. Like I get it. But for fucking Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, yeah, it's really it's really distressing, honestly, because like, as I've said, like this film is really instrumental to queer culture for a lot, means a lot of people. to a lot of people. And so like you're going to have these people who like there is like. There were a lot of like baby queers when I went, um, and I, I say that very affectionately. Myself having been one. Um, oh no, yeah, like I would totally be that if I. <laughs> and but there were guys like up in the balcony when we went that like he did not stop. He knew every cue. He was yelling every call out. I'm like, how do you? T- when are you breathing? And how do you so memorize there are these, this? <laughs> yeah, there are these people that it's very important to them, and like, you know, like. I don't know. It, it just feels like a a loss for like queerness to me. Yeah, and um, it's a loss to, for, to have that threatened. It's a loss for cinema, really, because like this is a thing that got people going to the movies a, a right. lot more every year. <sighs> and, and like I make fun of the room for throwing fucking plastic spoons and the footballs and everything. Like I like I don't get that, I but that I also shit. fully understand like Rocky Horror and the room. I, I understand oh, it's why. So good. It's especially so good. something because like the room doesn't mean anything to anybody. Uh, the only thing <sighs> the room means to anybody is follow your dreams because no, like if you apply yourself with the confidence of a mediocre white man, you will go places. Uh, but Rocky Horror has so much more going on. Yeah. Um, I will say like if you need convincing, like if you like Rocky Horror um, and you are interested and have never been to a live screening, um, I definitely recommend it. As I've said, as I mentioned, I lead a very boring life, but it was one of the most fun nights of my life. Like, everybody doing the fucking time warp, like, you know, it was was just so fun. Like, you don't have to know every call out um, to have a good time, I would say, because there's going to be other people there that do it. Um, And uh, maybe try to find one that gives you props so that like you don't have to worry about like if what you're bringing is allowed or not um but uh yeah it's just like so fun like people dress up like i it was like last year was so awesome i dressed up as janet and like i found like i was able to goodwill like all of the pieces to dress up as her and i was like you know she doesn't exactly wear this and like i couldn't find a white hat like Maybe yeah. people won't get it, but like people got it. People knew I was fucking Janet. It was 
really cool. Although I will say, as an aside, um, one of the callouts and uh, imminent um, gendered slurs incoming. Mm. One of the callouts for Janet is to call her to yell slut at her. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> and you yell asshole at Brad whenever he shows up. Yeah, I got um, that one in the in the fifteen minutes I watched the DVD with the callouts audio track yeah. turned on. That they, one was they fucking might prominent. not have included the slut because you know it's not nice. Um, and you know I didn't yell that out at her whenever she showed up. But uh, if you dress as Janet. You might get overzealous uh, cishet men yelling that at Uh. you just in costume in the lobby like I did. So Uh. um, be prepared uh, because, yeah, when it first happened, I was like, hi, yeah, I'm dressed as Janet, you know, but then like he kept yelling it and it's like, I get it. Like, I get it. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> and that's why that's the thing, though, is like, that's why I chose to dress up as Janet, because like. You know, it's like, oh, she's a terrible person for fucking around. But, like, she learned how to have fun having sex. And, like, that's a really powerful and relatable thing for me. So that's why I dressed up as Janet as opposed to someone else. I can't, off the top of my head, think of many characters in movies that have that arc that aren't men. (laughs) Yeah. That's true. I think. Hollywood. uh, Yeah. It's they're either like prudes or like they are like somehow virginal, but also like sex beasts from the get go. You know, it's like you're either a mother or yep, a, a fucking mm-hmm. cum slut. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow, I was sitting here like, okay, Victoria's gonna sit here and they're gonna they're gonna come up with something a little bit like softer than the first thing and then boom i love it i'm allowed to say it because i am one (laughs) resident erotica artist victoria is fully uh licensed to say that yeah Uh, so i think I, i like i'm guessing the thing we come down on is rocky horror has some things that make it not great but yes. also it's very great. <laughs> yes. It's it's like anything. It's like um You know there's a there's shows out there that are being made today that have a lot more like problematic stuff. Uncomfortable things that I hope I don't, you know, get mobbed for saying this, but like I don't necessarily think that those are bad. I think we as consumers, especially people who are interested in critiquing things and dissecting things like media, we as consumers have a responsibility to understand where we sit and to responsibly engage with media. Um, And I think the argument should be more of, okay, how do we how do we talk about these things in a way that shows that like in real life? You know, these aren't so great and we don't support it, but exploring them in media can be interesting. Like, I felt that way kind of with Mad Men, like, uh, not to get long winded, but like tangentially, like Mad Men had a lot of things that were like a lot of sexism and, you know, racist stuff and potentially like queer phobic stuff. And part of it was to be, quote unquote, historically accurate to the times that the show was set, but also like. It was also to use a time that everybody agrees upon, like 
oh, we all know that in the 60s it was sexist as fuck. And yeah. then like heightening that to to show us parallels to our modern day world. Um, so there's a lot of things that a lot of people can learn looking at media that has, you know, quote unquote problematic elements. And that is my little soapbox stance. And I say that as someone who predominantly has a passion for making erotic material because it's a the slippery slope fallacy can get you and yeah. and if you don't draw a line in the sand between like what you find to be like reprehensible and like knowing that it's bad in real life it's like the argument could be made that like oh we're drawing you can easily go to like oh you're drawing xyz kind of porn like you're drawing bondage porn, BDSM porn, how terrible, you know. Very quickly that can become, well, I don't want to see gay porn anymore, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. I don't mm -hmm. know if that was a good <laughs> little soapbox to get on or not, but. No, no, it's totally, yeah. It's something I kind of live by. Um, I think that the responsibility, again, is on the viewer to understand their own limits and, and why they believe and feel the way that they do and understand that, like, Media can be different for different people and mean different things to different people. And engaging with it can be very important and enlightening and reflective of our own lives. Yeah. Um, it's. I think the thing about. I think the thing that gets me about Rocky Horror is I don't. I don't watch movies and then think I really want to watch video essays about this and know why other people do and do not like this movie. Like I do not need somebody spending thirty five minutes telling me why Mad Max Fury Road is a good watch. Right. Like I know why I like Mad Max Fury Road, but Rocky Horror both because it is so culturally ingrained and because I just watched it last night. Like the energy of this movie makes me want to know why other people really like it and also why people have big fucking problems with it. Like I want right. to know I wanna like I understand why there's so many books written about Rocky Horror and I want to read them, both behind the scenes stuff and like fan engagement stuff. Uh as someone who has seen it one and a quarter times in the past 18 hours, <laughs> as someone who is only recently out as not straight and quite frankly, like, and I, this is not the experience for anyone in any way, I still don't feel like I qualify as queer and that's somewhat on me to figure out. Um but it's kind of a pan mood, honestly. <laughs> right. Like I but also I'm very cautious about making statements like that because of all the memes. Because I don't want to just say shit <laughs> because I've seen it on Twitter and thought it was funny. But like it felt like someone took a lot of shit and threw it at a wall. And 95% of them like, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like a lot of this. And like we were talking about on Discord before recording, um, I, I loved watching Rocky Horror, but I also didn't pick up a lot of Rocky Horror while I was watching it. Like I, Eddie didn't register as meatloaf to me. And that that's coming from someone who like one of the three things I knew about this movie was meatloaf is in it and has a song. And at the end of the movie, I'm like, where the fuck was Meatloaf? <laughs> <laughs> Did I just miss Meatloaf? Like, that guy's pretty, he's got a look. I don't, <laughs> I know what Meatloaf looks like. And I did not see that. I did not see or hear that man. And like, he has the best song in the movie. One of the best songs in the movie, my argument. Uh, 
Yeah. And we, we a were song talk- in which, you know, nerd me, uh, worlds collide because they mentioned Buddy Holly by name. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but like we were talking about, um, I was talking about the common sense media and the, the parent recommendation, whatever website ratings, because I was looking up to see. Well, for I, I was going in with bad faith because I was expecting to find like ChristianParentRatings.com or something like that, in which they just rip Rocky Horror apart for being evil or whatever, mm-hmm. and it'd be something funny to read on the podcast, which is not fair of me. But when I was reading the Common Sense Media thing, I screenshotted the sex part, and it like lists how many times there are sex scenes, implied sex scenes in the movie, and it said there is no nudity, and then it said there was some nudity. And I was messaging you like uh, they they can't figure it out. And then I was and I made a comment about I genuinely think it's because Tim Curry's nipples come out of his corset at the end, and they didn't know how to process that. And then you mentioned Columbia's boobs pop out of her corset for like half yeah. a second during the floor show. That didn't yeah. process at all in my head. <laughs> like I did not. It, it, and, I guess at that point in the movie, you're oversaturated. Yeah, like everyone's got nipples and they're pop. Like the whole time, I'm just like the only everyone's person who's got nipples the everyone's Rocky got nipples Horror except susan sarandon because susan yeah, sarandon you don't see her titties <laughs> because it's susan sarandon <laughs> yeah she didn't have to show off her titties uh not that there's anything necessarily wrong with that in a movie perspective but also like it doesn't fit janet really right especially at that part of the movie but like you sent me a screenshot of it which how the fuck you found that in like five seconds i still don't know Uh, i'm pretty sure i just googled columbia floor show (laughs) nipples and like like yeah right there didn't even see that there's so much in this movie i probably didn't clock or see because this morning i was sitting there has insane rewatch value just the time warp sequence I was finding things, and again, this is like my fifth time saying it, but I've seen this movie probably like nine times at this point, and I was finding new things last night when I was watching it. I mean, just just from watching background characters uh, during, uh, what was it, fucking um, Sword of Damocles, uh, having known that Riff Raff feels like he's left out of everything, I was trying to pay attention to what is happening to Riff Raff in the background of these scenes. And when Rocky is brought to life, one of the first things Frankenfurter does is like kick Riff Raff and then um, to get from the tank over to the elevator where the the so what do you think, Brad and Janet, like to get there, he gets on Riff Raff's shoulders and makes him fall over to ride into the ground. Oh, yeah. Like he's such an asshole. Also, yeah. one of the most quotable events in cinema history. <laughs> what do you think? I don't like men with too many muscles. I didn't make him for you. <laughs> yeah. He's Charles Atlas certified. That, that was me uh, in my live tweet thread that I made while watching it. Uh, I was like me when people say they don't think my OC is sexy. I didn't make him for you. <laughs> I will say this is my final warning about this movie and it's not important at all. Uh, I grew up, everyone talks about where do you, you can judge someone by where you know Tim Curry from. I grew up, my touchstone for Tim Curry was number one, the audiobooks for A Series of Unfortunate Events, and then number two, Fern Gully, where he's the bad guy. Uh, he's Hex. Who also kind of has some sexy energy. Hexus is him I doing, might, Hexus is Frankenfurter. Like, I if Frankenfurter like, was a be gas alone cloud. in that 
but there's something kind of sexy about the pollution no, monster is, from Fergoli. No, he is... <laughs> Victoria, you are 100% right. He's doing the Frankenfurter voice, but uh, deeper. He It has God, that same like, fuck energy to it. Oh, hold and on. it's there's really like a, uncomfortable now that I know where that voice is from. <laughs> I can't watch Ferngully. Uh, it, like, it had a sexual tone to it, but I didn't clock it as a kid. And now as an adult, I'm just... He's got that same lilt and it's ugh. <laughs> there's like oh there's the scene okay I'm about to link it in discord and I'm so sorry for doing something visual to everybody listening but there's a scene you can find it if you search like Hexus Ferngully gif where oh, like, is this I don't, when he's in the machine it's when he's being oh, shocked fucking... and he's like writhing around yeah. like yeah the skeleton why is that so fucking erotic like I am disturbed and turned on <laughs> I love how I love oh this is this is very appropriate for Halloween in a way that the final episode of Spooktember is just this hot horny mess. Rocky Horror. Why is Rocky Horror a good piece of Halloween entertainment if you think it is? Rocky Horror, okay, first of all, obviously, horror is in the title. Right. Um and there are some genuinely scary moments in it. Uh when he kills Eddie. <laughs> When he kills Eddie, the fucking look on his face. Again. I didn't know where I sat for the rest of the movie because of that. Like, I didn't know what to expect. Me watching that, I'm like, okay, I'm both very turned on and also terrified. I think part of what that is, honestly, side note, like, I don't know how to say this in a way that, like, is necessarily, like, kosher because it's going to sound like I'm implying things about trans feminine people that I'm not. I'm saying this wholly about Frankenfurter. Frankenfurter has a very predatory energy in some ways. Uh-huh. In that, like, it's like the scene where he's, like, chasing Rocky and when he's coming for Eddie with the axe. And I am at a point in my life where that is very sexy to be pursued in that way. Um, so there's lots of, like, very scary, like, sexual, like, wires being crossed. Uh for that character uh, in that way. Um, but it's got mad science. Uh, it uh, Costumes for days. Costumes, set design. Um, it is genuinely scary in some ways, but it's also really fucking horny, which is like the best of everything. I think, honestly, though, part of why Rocky Horror is associated with Halloween is that it just has an established precedent mm -hmm. for being associated with Halloween. Well, I mean, it's a Frankenstein um, story, right? Like, Sure. A and it's not so much in my case that I think it's Halloween because of something inherent to it. Rather, that other people have established that connection. And if you want to go see a, a live show, you know, a lot of times small indie theaters only show it around this time of year. Um, it is Halloween or, because it is part of the Halloween landscape already. Right? Yes, it's part of like Halloween canon in the 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 non you know typical internet usage of the term canon. Um, it is just what you do, or if you like Rocky Horror, it's Halloween is when you do Rocky Horror. Um. And it's funny because, you know, some people, it's like September 1st hits and it's like, all right, it's time for Halloween. And I used to be like that. Um, but now I have uh, 
kind of gotten to be a little more sluggish with my excitement for Halloween, and I found this year that activating my spoopy switch uh, was a lot easier when I, I took a listen to the Rocky Horror soundtrack. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's why I think it's appropriate for Halloween time. I... I I basically coming from there like uh, again this is brand new to me but I'm also downloading the soundtrack to my phone for when I'm at work over the weekend. Uh this I think having seen it it is now just going to be around this time of year I'm going to think about Rocky Horror. I I don't think I'm necessarily going to go on, you know, T Public or something and find uh quotes so you know i, I didn't make it for you <laughs> I, I'm not necessarily going to be rocking merch but I definitely want to consume this more times in my life it's it's i think the rewatch value adds to it and also like making it a yearly ritual type thing makes it be like hanging out with an old friend yeah you know it's like i've looked forward to to seeing you again kind of you know (sighs) all right i think that'll about do it victoria where can people find you online and what of yours can they find online oh boy i have the perfect thing to push right now um first of all social media uh if you want uh nasty horny discussions my twitter (laughs) is nastier than my instagram so my twitter is at star star party all one word my instagram is at star star dot party and i post less frequently there but it is a lot more uh family friendly um and i do have a patreon which is a star star sex party that's <laughs> patreon.com slash star star sex party i, I don't know if anybody you, ever looks at the url the <laughs> well okay that's actually uh i had a this is tangential i had a, a previous patreon and my brother was pledged to it and there's no way to like if you reopen your patreon you can't boot like, someone yeah. you can't boot people so i was like fuck i don't want my bro- brother seeing my porn drawings so i had to make a new patreon <laughs> i was like what the fuck am i gonna call this thing so anyways as for uh my current big project i am almost done with a 20 page erotic comic short about a it's set in 1961 and a guy surprises his husband who you know quote unquote husband because uh, it's the 60s uh, his, his partner has a thing for baseball uniforms and so he comes home and surprises him wearing a baseball uniform and it's got a good old mid-century uh, giving your partner the business as it were and uh, it I have said this on Twitter, but it contains literally the sexiest thing I have ever drawn in it, and I could not be more excited to be finished with this, and um, I will be posting it for my Patreon backers first, Um, so if you want to, if you're interested in some fun, sexy drawings, uh, check that out first if you want to get it ahead of everybody else but if not you can uh, do it one time uh, probably on Gumroad just keep an eye out on my Twitter if you are interested in that and you should be because it is fucking horny as hell and I'm living my best life and I can't believe that I get to make this and nobody's stopping me it is awesome uh, so yeah that's that's my that's what I want people to check out <laughs> Victoria also has a very good Etsy shop that currently has a very relevant Halloweeny thing for sale 
please push your cookie earrings. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't want to push too many things because, you know, sometimes people's attention span wanes and all that. But yes, Screw I it. Have... It's the last episode. They need yeah, to hear about if these you're, earrings. If you're still here after listening to me wax horny about baseball uniforms, then, like, you're probably in it, in it to win it, huh? Um, so... I have made these little earrings that are inspired by the uh, Pillsbury Halloween cookies. You get a ghost and a pumpkin, although if you want like a matching pair, you could obviously just message me. So my Etsy shop is etsy.com slash shop slash star star party, all one word. And uh, you can get those on there. And I have been trying to make those things like crazy because for once I made something that everybody really wants and I don't know how to <laughs> handle that. Um, but yeah, if you are want to get into the spoopy season, I will have those probably through Halloween. Um, I don't know if I'm going to bring them back next year or not. So if you're like super, super keen on those, uh, probably go for it. And I'm not just saying that to push you to buy them. <laughs> Also, I know you did an episode on the uh, the those exact cookies. Yeah. Um, can I just say, I am officially the amount of years old to where I remember when they came in a tube and you had to slice them yourself. Oh, they still do. You do you remember that? They're just, they they're do just not, where? Yeah. Um, well, our Walmart had it for like a hot second, but now it's like gone and I think they're not restocking it because of the boxes, but what? there are still yeah. the tubes. Uh, they're just not that. as easy to find. I think. I think no one wants to. <laughs> well, I mean, they uh, they permanently stock just the straight sugar cookie dough tubes. But I swear mm-hmm. I saw a tube of it last year, and I I think this year somewhere it might have just been I was in a Target I never go to or something. Right. Uh, I have also, not seen those since I was like five. There's also like the um you know, the BuzzFeed recipe where you like make the shape and then freeze it and then put sugar cookie dough around it to make your own tube, uh, which is ooh, way too much too work. Too much work. Yeah. <laughs> too much work. Yeah. Uh, thank you so um, much. Um, yeah. Thanks for having me and letting me yell about a very horny movie. Yeah, very I mean, on brand for me. If there, if there ever was a qualified guest. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank you so much, listeners, for sticking around with us through all 30 days of Spooktember. It has been a wild ride. So has this episode itself been. If you are listening to this the day it comes out, later tonight, I will be live streaming. I don't know if it's going to be in the Discord or on Twitch. Uh, the version of me who recorded at the beginning of the episode probably said that. But all I will say is there's going to be party games. I might set up like some live readings of stuff that's Halloween-y. We're going to rock out the end of, of uh, Spooktember. Uh, Can I come? Can yeah, I be there? 100%. It's yeah. going to be fun because I have nothing to do on Monday nights and the end of the end of Spooktember is a t- Monday. <laughs> All right. I fucking loved... Okay. To entice people to come hang out and, and live uh, to the live stream, I laughed so hard. I nearly pissed myself, and I have never done that in my life. I was dangerously close when we were playing uh, the fucking party games, the the T-shirt game. Oh yeah, uh, I've got I've got <sighs> one of the Jackbox like packs, and um, I, I have Quiplash, which is you know you know sentences with a blank, and then the person has to submit a thing to fill in the blank. That's funny. I'm gonna make a Halloween pack. So that's going to be fun. And if we go late and there's no one around who objects to it, we also have a massive NSFW pack, 
flying around. But yes, but well, there have to be like a group vote on that one because when we played it, things got blue and never stopped being blue for like three Ooh, hours. Listen, <laughs> if I'm gonna be there, even if we're doing safe for work, I'm gonna make it horny. I am chaotic in that way. You can't stop my power. Uh, it's maybe maybe only bring me in a couple hours in then <laughs> if you wanted to keep things safe for work. All right, everybody, let's bring this one home. It's time to end it. This has been the final episode of Spook Timber. Tomorrow we start October. I don't have a quirky uh, Halloweeny name for October, but uh, yeah. We'll talk about it at the live stream, so there's a, there's a tease for you. But there are a few light plans for October, and I might even have some plans for months after October for what to do with this podcast. But for now, I just want to thank you so much for following and hanging out with us as we went through this month on a wacky wild journey to get in the Halloween spirit. Now, if you want to find out what's going to happen to the show in the future... Stay subscribed to this feed. Subscribe if you haven't already. It helps out. And, you know, auto-downloads for the future. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SpooktemberPod. That said, I can't promise that the usernames won't change in a few weeks. Wink. Just saying. Uh, if you want to keep track, now's the time to follow. Thank you so much. And I'm so proud to say, for the final time... I think you've done a really good job of keeping it real and keeping it scary. See you in October. <laughs>